When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? April 17th edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. We do apologize for everybody who was patiently waiting uh, to join <laughs> us live. We did have some uh, technical issues uh, that some way, somehow, we went back and forth, and it was the Predator. Patrick Cote, the IT man in the world of mixed martial arts, who was able to find out the issue and fix the issue, uh, and we are now live. We are happy to have Patrick Cote joining us, uh, fresh off his retirement in mixed martial arts. Now, make sure, before we get Patrick on the screen, you do give him a follow on Twitter, Patrick underscore Cote. Uh, on Instagram, it's Pat Cote MMA. Yours truly, at Showdown Joe, and of course, at Fightful MMA and FightfulMMA.com for all your mixed martial arts news. First things first, Patrick. What's going on, my man? Everything's good, man. I feel uh, happy. I feel relieved. I feel free. Everything is good. And, uh, you know, I'm really in peace with that decision. I was thinking about it since a, since a couple of months. And, uh, man, I'm very happy now. So you say it was a couple of months. And then whenever I hear that, I kind of get nervous because you still have the training camp to go through. What was that like knowing that potentially, you know what, this is going to be my final fight. How was that training camp leading up to it? That wasn't at the beginning of the training camp. Uh, you know, I just before the training camp, I signed a new four or five deals. So it's kind of crazy. But during all the training camp, uh, you know, it was it, it was hell. Seriously, I had uh, two big injuries uh, in my back and my neck. I have a hernia in my back, in my in my neck since a couple of years now. So and I snapped it during uh, during my my training camp, and I was that was very very painful. And one day I woke up and I was like, man. I'm very tired to get, you know, I've having pain every day. And, uh, and I'm doing that for the last 15 years. And uh, maybe a month, a month and a half before the, the, the fight, um, I was thinking about it. And I always said to myself that if one day I wake up and I don't want to go to the gym, you know, in 100%, you know, mentally prepare. And I'm just doubt about if I want to go train that day or not. It's going to be the time for me just to, maybe walk away because it's too dangerous in that sport. See, if you don't train 100%. And uh, it did happen to me a couple of times in that training camp, you know, that uh, I was tired. Uh, maybe the motivation wasn't there, you know, like before. And uh, and I was like, okay, man, that, that's okay. It's going to be my last fight, but I'm going to keep that for me. I'm not going to say that to anybody, even my wife, even my best friend, even anybody knew it about it. Because I wanted to leave that moment only for myself. You know, the, the last walking, the last uh, introduction by Bruce Buffer, the last wake up, the last fight week. And I was able to do that very selfish way. Just, you know, I was owning that to myself. That's what I think. And after 15 years, and I knew it, you know, in every step of that fight week, that would be my last uh, thing that I will do it to prepare for a fight. And I, that's why I think I did enjoy it so much because there was nobody else was talking about me, about the last fight, about how I felt. So I'm like, and that's exactly what I wanted. 
I know people might say that it's selfish. I'll call bullshit on that. I think you deserve it uh, after everything that you've done for this sport, uh, being a Canadian mixed martial arts pioneer. I mean, you and I go way back to the days. Of, I don't know if it was UCC or TKO with Jan Pellerin. Uh, yeah, TKO fight. me, yeah. Okay, so that was TKO. So I mean, we go back. You were a light heavyweight at the time when you fought Jan Pellerin. Uh, so we go way back. So I think you, you perfectly deserve whatever you want to do and did for your mixed martial arts career. Um, people could say selfish or greedy. It's all about you, man. You're the one that steps into the octagon. We could, You and I could talk about Fabio Holanda and, and the wives and the kids as much as we want. You're the one stepping in there. Yeah, and I did realize that, you know, because before, you know, you know, a lot of pit fighters, they say that, oh, I'm sorry, coach, I didn't win or something like that. But at the end of the day, they don't give a shit about if you win or lose, you know, because, you know, your best friend and coach, and if they are you're there for the good reason, win or lose, they're always still there. So it's at the end of the day, Fabio did told me that, you know what, you go there, you win, you lose. For me, I don't give a shit. Seriously, it's you're doing that for yourself. And exactly the same thing when in your in your life when you train for you do a training for for a fight. You have to be very selfish because it's hard and it's you is gonna be inside the octagon and you're gonna receive punch and you're gonna make sacrifice about the diet and the wake up. And you know, I did realize that maybe after 12 or 13 years in that business. But for the last couple of years, uh, you know, I was, you know, during training camp and all those things, I was very, very selfish. And uh, I don't regret that at all. And I found a, the perfect partner as my wife that she did understand that very well. And uh, she wasn't angry at all that I didn't tell her that that would be my last fight. We we spoke uh, about it, you know, a couple, couple of months before, you know, especially after my fight against Cerrone. But, uh, you know, she was, she knew it that, you know, it will be happen soon, but maybe not that soon. <laughs> well, that's okay, man. Listen, it's, I, I would much rather you walk away from the sport healthy uh, and okay. Because listen, man, the, the, the reality is this. It's no different than football. Yep. No different sometimes in hockey. There is, there's punches to the head. It's not ping pong. There is trauma. And if you can get out at the right time, uh, you know, and now you're a dad. That's a game changer. I tell people all the time, they don't believe you until you have your first kid. And And you realize once you're a dad, the game changes. The game changes. And you know what? In my last two fights, there's something happened in that didn't happen in the last 15 years. I got dropped. You know, I got dropped by Cerrone. I got dropped by Thiago Alves. And you have to be smarter than the, than the sport, too. You have to put your pride, you know, on the side and just realize that, fuck, man, I'm old now. You know what? 15 years of that business, my body is tired. I can't see the, the shot coming like before. I lost, the, I lost the speed. I lost, like, the, the reaction time that I had it, like, a couple of years ago. That, yes, my, my shin always saved me. But if I can't see the punch coming, it's hard for me to stay on my feet. You know what I mean? I can't prepare to receive receive a punch. And that's exactly what happened in my last two fights. And you know what? You know, I did prepare my, my exit in a couple, with the last couple of years. So that was easier for me to just to realize that, okay, it's, it's too dangerous now for me to do that sport because, you know what? It, it's, it's dangerous. We punch each other. We try to kill each other in not kill, but you know what I mean? It's, it's war when two guys inside are inside the octagon. And if I can't compete at that level anymore and it's too dangerous for me, I can't see why putting my body through all those sacrifices and wake up and all those things and the training camp, it's very, very hard. So, you know, and I have a lot of things outside the fighting 
business. So I was smart enough to prepare my exit. And I think I was smart enough to leave on my own term. Even if I sign a new four or five deal, it doesn't matter for me. Like you said, my health, it's more important than my pride. Listen, man, I've had some great quotes thrown my way in my years in mixed martial arts. You just nailed one. I'm going to put it up there with what George St. Pierre once told me when he fought BJ Penn the second time when I said, George, there's a genuine concern for you from a lot of fans, media, fighters, that you're fighting BJ Penn, that you know, you, you, you're going to have a hard time in this fight. And he leaned over to me. and that, We're both sitting on medicine balls at TriStar. And he leaned over to me, and he was pissed. He looked me in the eye. He said, I do not go to the octagon to survive. I go there to hunt. What you just said to me right now about retiring, it's simple. And I'm never going to forget this now. I'm going to freaking tweet it out right now so people can come in and tune into the show. As a fighter, you just said you have to be smarter than the sport. Yep. It's that simple. It is. When it comes to the end of your career, and you need to know, you realize what's going on, you have to be smarter than the sport. Dude, that is freaking genius right there. You know what? The worst thing you can do is the fight that you're not supposed to, to, to do. You know what? The one too many that you think that you still got it, and you still, oh, maybe one more, one more. And people always remember you as your last performance, something like that. You know, I'm, even if I lost my last fight, I'm really happy about the performance because I was giving, uh, you know, a show and a, a war until the end. And it had exactly what I did in my last 15 years of my career. That's what I, what I tried, I, actually. So, you know what? That was the perfect way to just to leave. And, uh, you know, that's – I always say the same thing since a couple of, since a couple of years too, that I didn't want it to, to fight – the the, the 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 fight that I wasn't supposed to. And uh, there's a lot of guys in that business that push the luck all the time and it's 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 getting dangerous. They got knocked down, they're coming back, and they just they, they, they just can't stop. But at the end of the day, you know, they're gonna pay the price later for sure. Absolutely. Uh, guys, if you're tuned in live right now, we do have the live chat uh, on the right upper right-hand side of your screen. Uh, feel free to give us your thoughts, uh, your comments, your suggestions, your questions uh, to Patrick and myself. Uh, make sure you do follow Patrick online, Patrick underscore Cote on Twitter, Pat Cote MMA on Instagram. Pat, what's your Facebook? Patrick Cote? Yeah, it's Patrick Cote. You have the little, uh, little check, the blue check. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Make sure uh, you have the check mark. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Roy Soria says, what's up, Shodan? What's up, Roy? Make sure you say what's up to Pat, man. That's why we're yeah. here, man. Pat's going to be joining me uh, every Monday with the exception of next week. The guy yeah. starts with Fightful MMA today. He's already on vacation next week, ladies and gentlemen. He I deserves have to, it. man. First vacation yeah. with my family and uh, first vacation with the, with the kid, too. And uh, it's going to be it's gonna be fun. And, uh, you know, I, I hold that to, to my wife, too. You know, I was in turning camp since almost January. So, you know what? The people don't realize that, too, Joe. It's, it's hard for the fighter to be on, on training camp. But it's hard for the family, too. It's hard for friends around because there's you know, diet involved, training two, three times a day involved too. You're not home, home very often, and uh, you're not always in a good mood too, you know, especially with the diet and all those things. You're, oh, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. for, all the time, the pain. And you know what? It's hard for the, for the fighter, but it's really, really hard for the family. And uh, you know, at, the end, at the end of the day, you, know, it's, you have to take care of that when you have, uh, when you have time off. Absolutely. Um, we got some questions here. Uh, Nicholas Claudio, uh, actually before that, big nephew, big nephew, eighty-seven. Yo, what's up, guys? How are you? Um, 
Uh, Roy, sorry, sorry, dropping some funniness there. But Nicholas Claudio wants to know, Cote, please talk us through uh, what it was like fighting Anderson Silva. That's a fair question because at the time, Anderson Silva, you know, you got a chance to not only fight him, Tito Ortiz, uh, but Anderson Silva was, you know, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, and you were in there. I was there in Chicago for that fight yep. there. What was that like? Complicated. That's the only word I can use. It was very, very complicated. Uh, this guy was like a water. You know, it was like I'm going – I was going forward. It was on my back. I was going on the, on this side. It was going on the other side. It's – it's uh, that was that was at the at the same time that was the, the best moment of my career. You know, if I even if I lost I, and I got bad luck and bad time, but you know, in our head, uh, we didn't want that to show that, uh, and we we weren't scared of him. But we saw that in the last in his last couple of fights that all the fighters who fought him, they were already lost before. You know, they were so scared of that guy, and uh, I went there and I said, hey. Worst case scenario is gonna knock me out, and I will not remember it. So that that was in, that was our mentality going through that fight, and uh, I wanted just to push the pace and show him that you know I will take the center of the of the cage and just push him, uh, push him, and and exchange toe to toe with him. I, I wasn't scared. Uh, you know, he's he's not eating very hard, but he's insanely accurate so that's that's the thing too and he's very good with the with the movement with the distance it's really hard to 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 hit too it's it's that was at that time you remember joe it was one of the best of the history you know he was at the top of his game he was so good and uh but you know what it's just it's it's a bit of a little bit you know what i i had a injury in the in the third round but i was the first one to to go in the third round with the Anderson Silva in the in, uh, in the UFC, so I was I was happy. But when I started the, the third round, I knew it that my my knee was was down. My my knee my knee was out. You know, it, it did happen in the middle of the second round, and uh, before and between this round, I said uh, there was Mark De La Grotti and Fabio in my corner at that time, and I said, "Man, my knee's fucked up. My knee is is over." And I felt that it was dis- dislocated a little bit all the time. And uh, he said, "What do you want to do? You want that we're gonna throw the towel or something like that?" I said, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to help Mary or something like that." And uh, when I, as soon as I put more weight on my on my right leg, I felt like my knee and my shin went tro- went you know side by side, and that <laughs> was that, that, that was over. So that was uh, and I received a lot of critic after that fight that you know I was faking, and like that. but I was out for a year and a half. So <laughs> come on, give me a break. You know, I wasn't faking for a year and a half. People are still thinking TJ Grant is faking his concussions. Exactly. Right? Like, let's be honest for a second. That guy had a title fight uh, in Milwaukee set. Uh, and people, all oh, the UFC, this this was a scam by the UFC, blah, blah, blah. And TJ, dude, fighters get injured all the time. Sometimes you guys show up there at 50%, 40% to fight. So yeah. uh, people don't realize that. Um, looking back at your career, I know it's fresh. It's only been a week or so. When you look back at your career as a legacy, uh, and this changes – because I know what happens to me. People always ask me, "What's what was the highlight of your career so far?" Well, I I, I can tell, t- tell you, Patrick Cote and I sitting in Las Vegas, uh, you know, drinking some pops and just having a good time yeah. talking about whatever. But then tomorrow it'll be uh, the one time with George St. Pierre or that one time with Anderson Silva. It, life changes. There's always things. But right now, it's only been about a week and a half, two weeks. Looking back at your career, what are some of your highlights? What are some of your lowlights? <laughs> What are some of that you were like, what an idiot I am? Or, you know what? No, I did good there. Uh, you know, there's so many memories in the last 15 years. You know, I've been in the UFC for 13 years. And uh, I think 
you know what my my best memories it's it's when i when i joined the the ufc you know i thought i don't think you can join a company bigger than than how i did you know fighting the the main event of my first fight in the ufc only after five fights you know in my my pro career against the poster boy at that time against the guy over my screensaver i was called i was calling my dog tito at that time too because he was like a, one of my idol you know and that, that's and i made my name with that fight and it's all it's always you know crazy what, what i said about it but losing that fight it's probably the best thing happened to me you know losing like that not getting really murder but you know losing like that was the best thing happened to me and i'm i'm here today i'm living that life today because we got the guts and we got the balls to accept that fight we were probably the last one to ask you know to fight tito or this at that time you know i was a nobody and uh you know everybody else probably said no and we were like yeah, why not? Hey, we'll go. And, uh, you know, I made my name with that fight. I lost the fight, but I always say that I won the night for sure. And after that, everybody knew it, uh, who I was. And uh, even after 13 years, Joe, when they did the video to introduce myself for the next fight, there's always a little part that they remember everybody this fight against Tito Ortiz. So this fight, it's stick on me for forever and uh you know i had a title fight you know i coached tough i wasn't tough that was all crazy experience but i think my best memory for sure it's my first fight in the ufc what about something was there ever a time you might say anderson Silva, you might say tito ortiz you might not say anybody but was there ever a time after you realized that you were fighting like you were offered somebody and then you said yes and then when you were all alone you're like i don't think that was a good idea um no, no, because I I never chose any of my opponent. Uh, I knew it at you know at that time that maybe the maybe style you know I was more unidimensional a fighter you know I was more a stand up guy. So I knew it that when I fought for the final of top four against Tra- Travis uh, Luter, I knew it that you know stylistically it will be very very hard. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. You know, he submit me in the first round in couple couple seconds maybe after one minute and you know the worst thing that he did exactly what he he will do it that's the that's the worst thing in the video before so that's i took that very 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 hard but um no like i said the, the only thing that's funny because me and fabio were on the same page on that the only thing that if we had to choose between anybody else and a russian we're going to take anybody else. We didn't want to fight a Russian because it's, you know, they have no feelings. They're tough. They're, they're strong like a rock. It's, it's very hard, you know, to, to know and to feel it, what happened during, during a fight about, about those guys. So I never fought any Russian, and uh, that, was, uh, that was our plan, actually. <laughs> it's amazing you never fought a Russian because, <laughs> yeah, well, they, they could be some, like, cyborgs, man. They're some tough dudes. Look at Nurmagomedov. That guy is an absolute destroyer i mean yeah. i mean don't take this wrong anyone listening out there i know it's ramadan right now uh but for, from a mis- mixed martial arts perspective ramadan start yet but i know he's going to be m- missing in action because of ramadan but my goodness what i would love to see uh some way somehow a number and tony ferguson fight because that right there was my fight of, of 2017 uh along with you know i'm, I'm really looking forward to cordy garbrandt and tj dillashaw yeah. but yeah the russians like you said you know look at fedor 
How stoic is Fedor? Doesn't matter. He never looks his opponents in the eyes until he gets, even when they do the stare down before a fight, he won't look them until the announcer says, announces the names. Then he looks at them. Ah, and it's so, so cold, man. Cold. It's so cold. And it's just like, yeah. man, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to jump in with you in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, for those that don't know, your, your, your transition or your start in mixed martial arts is, is almost a typical Canadian one. If I'm not mistaken, uh, was it born from, from hockey? Sorry, what? And then you moved over to MMA? Uh, I, I'm sorry. Or was I it didn't... boxing to MMA? Yeah, no it's problem. Boxing, in terms boxing of you, to what, MMA, yeah. Okay. Did you play hockey as well when you were younger? Not really. I played soccer. I played soccer on a very high level. I played for uh, the Quebec team. I played two years for the, the junior national team too. So I was more a soccer player than, than uh, the hockey. You know, I'm a big fan of hockey. You know, I, I, I can shoot. But I can't skate, you know. I have a really hard time to skate, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of uh, shy to say as a Canadian that you know you're not good on your skate. But it is what it is. Hey, listen, man, that's two of us because I've got a great. I, I shoot right, and I can pick corners on the ice. Don't ask me to skate. That's why I don't go on the ice with Sean right. Pearson because <laughs> uh, Pearson Pearson's a legit hockey player. Yeah. Like he's legit, so I don't want to the ice with him. It. But me, you and I can just. Yeah, he's he's a bad man. And of course, Pearson has no problem dropping the gloves if somebody wants to be a tough guy <laughs> on the ice. He'll be more than happy. Not anymore. You know, he's getting older. He's a dad now as well. Um, so you were boxing beforehand, uh, and then you realized you could transition to MMA. Yeah. How and when and why? Uh, that was uh, around uh, 1998. Uh, oh, man, that's a long time ago. 1998, uh, I was in Quebec City, and I found uh, a team that was Team Union. And uh, the, the head coach was Philippe Lagasse, who fought for TKO too. And uh, I started doing jiu-jitsu. And uh, you know, I fell in love with, uh, with the, the jiu-jitsu after that, a little bit of wrestling. And, uh, you know, I, want, I wanted to be a boxer, but uh, that was really hard, you know, to, just to find fights and something like that. And when I, when I, I, I discovered the, 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 the jiu-jitsu and all those things, I just fell in love with the sport. And uh, I called... I called a you know an organization a very an amateur organization and I said hey I want to jump in let's do it and I was a little bit cocky at that time you know I thought that it would be very easy you know I thought I was like hey, I'm a tough guy you know I'll do it and I lost my first amateur fight very very badly you know and uh, it's you know that's another thing it's probably the best thing happened to me you know because it put my put my my feet back to down to hurt and uh, you know I just realized that okay if you want to have success or just having fun. In that business, you must uh, you must train very uh, very hard and more seriously. Yeah, of course. I mean, people mixed martial arts will will humble you very very quick. Uh, <laughs> I, I grew up in a part of, of Toronto where you know I, I was always in, involved in you know in street fights, and, and I thought I was a tough guy when I started you know training at certain gyms. And as I got better in the gyms, I started realizing there are better guys than me. And then you quickly get humbled. And when you realize, yeah. it took me a while to realize because I, I I wanted to fight pro back in the '90s. But when you realize if you can't beat up the guys in your own gym. How do you plan on beating up guys or fighting guys outside of your gym? And I quickly realized that no matter how much of a tough guy I'm out there, when I'm in the gym, you get humbled. I mean, you remember uh, Richard Nanku, uh, Monkey? Sure. Um, back in the day, Justin Bruckman, Antonio Carvalho, I was double their size. I was definitely double Monkey size. And you know, <laughs> he was 120 pounds, 125 pounds, soaking wet. And he would whoop me. And I would tell people all the time, you can say whatever you want about Demetrius Johnson. Whatever you want. 
You want to step into a cage with him, he'll whoop your ass. And he proved it again on Saturday night that this guy, it's unfortunately we're in a sport, Patrick, where people are, are, are always thinking bigger is better. Yeah. Bigger is better. But now we're talking about a guy who potentially can go down as the greatest of all time. Now, uh, I haven't put enough thought into it and really looked at it and say, okay, is he better than George? Is he better than Anderson Silva? Is he better than John Jones? Um, I'll probably do that later on tonight, if not tomorrow. I'll write an article about it on Fightful MMA. But Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, if there was ever a perfect mixed martial artist who can combine everything and everything together, that's him. Yeah, you're right. He's the perfect prototype if you want to if you want to explain what is an MMA fighter, you know, to somebody who don't understand, who don't know the sport. If you want if you want to explain, you know, I'm gonna tell you what is the, the best, you know, prototype of MMA fighter that is is good on the ground, is good at wrestling, is is fast, he has a good boxing, he, he can fight, you know, Saul Paul or Orthodox. It's, it's just amazing. And you know the you're right. You know, he's victim of his weight class. That's the, that's the thing. You know, if the guy were was a welterweight or a light heavyweight, it will be freaking millionaire today. Maybe he is, but he will be more millionaire. You know, I'm sure of that. And now uh, it's too bad. And you know, now it, it's it's start to understand the business a little bit about you know being more you know vocal, maybe talking a little bit more, not not trash talking, but trying to sell him more with his mouth than with his performance because everybody know that, you know, skills-wise, he's, he's the best pound for pound in the world. No, that's no doubt about it. And, uh, but you know what? It's, you're right. You know, it's, it's not because you're the best in the cage that people would buy, you know, tickets to see you. And uh, that's his biggest problem now that he's fighting at 125. And uh, it's really hard to sell. Are you surprised now? I mean, the game has changed so much since when you came in onto the scene to where it is right now. You got Elias, uh, you know, every Wednesday here or every Tuesday here at three o'clock when we do the podcast, constantly referring to it uh, as the UFC being a content provider. It's sports, it's uh, not sports, excuse me, it's sports entertainment. Uh, you got Sean Pearson saying the same thing. It's all about entertainment. Uh, it goes past just the fighting. You can fight all you want. If you can't sell, you can't talk. Uh, you don't have some sort of personality it ain't gonna help you frank triggs here on thursdays he gets it he calls the rankings a gimmick now and no one believes in the rankings anymore because no one's fighting anyone uh, in a proper manner if if you can't talk you can't sell and i talked to the same card you were here and i think it was it was who's next to you at the at the ufc 210 was it musasi yeah no no it was actually pearl Pearl. Pearl gonzalez yes and then uh hey don't don't Pro Gonzalez, okay? don't get me in trouble. Don't get me in trouble. So it's Patrick, Pro Gonzalez, and then Musasi. And I asked Musasi the same thing. I said, "Dude, you, you you've always been quiet and calm." And he's like, "F that, not anymore. I don't care yeah. anymore. If I, I got to dye my hair blonde, I got to do this, got to do that, got to sell. F this, screw Bisping, and blah blah." And he's like, "This is the only way I'm going to get my title shot." So the game has changed. So with Mighty Mouse Johnson, you take a look, and and, and I mentioned this to Sean Ross Sapp, who's our managing editor. After the event, Patrick, people didn't realize when Demetrius Money Mouse Johnson started thanking his sponsors. Yeah, I was I, like, I, Whoa. yeah, me too. I was like, all right, okay, this guy is just don't give a shit anymore. And uh, yeah, I, I I heard that. I was like, man, okay, because I was de- describing the the, the fights. I, I, I always do that in French, 
And uh, I watched my, my co-host and was like, man, he just did that. He just said thanks to, to his sponsor. And, uh, but you know what? It's, it's, it is what it is. And when you, have, you are Demetrius Johnson, you know that you have, uh, you have power. You know, he, he has power. He just, he just tie one of, the, one of the best of the history of Anderson Silva as the, you know, the, defending his belt with success with 10. That's just insane. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And you know what? A lot of people say, yeah, no, but maybe, you know, the flyweight division is not that strong. So I'm like, hey, the flight division is very, very good. It's just because the British Johnson is better. You know, that's the thing. That's, that's, that's the best flyweight fighters in the world is going there. And they're just stuck in the, in the, in the second position because the British Johnson is too good. And that's, that's the only thing, too, that doesn't, doesn't have the credit that it's supposed to have because every fight is is doing it look, it's look easy you know it's and is it that is is it his fault it, yes but at the same time he's too good man he's fine you know benavidez henry Ciudo, you know an olympic champion in wrestling wasn't able to take him down you know this is just insane and you said that the game changed i don't know if the game changed i think people understand more the game you know because I don't know if you remember that, but at the beginning, the UFC, when they start, the first idea of the UFC was to put like crocodile around the, the octagon and, you know, in the water. And, you know, that was, that was uh, an entertaining business at the beginning. They, they understand that was like nonsense. That was really, really stupid doing that. But at the beginning, that was that just to put more money in the pocket. Tito Ortiz was, he was the first one to understand that game very well, you know, by trash talking the opponent, trash talking the boss with uh, trash talking Dana White. So I think it was always like that, but on the level, on the lower level. Uh, and that was more like a unique person that was able to doing that. But now uh, we know how much, you know, the new owners paid for the, the company so now they know that they have a lot of a lot of, of money and all those things and those guys like conor mcgregor changed the game too and uh you know and now the the salary is is public too so we know exactly how much he's doing he, he's making and uh people can compare you know champion can compare with the other champion how, uh, how much they're making and that's that's how the game change but you know selling yourself and uh, you know, doing all those things, I I think that was always there. That was just less fighters that were you know that were uh, you know bright to doing that. Now you have to do it because you know it's more popular and all those things. And you know, although people is watching that, and uh, you want people in the in in the stands, but uh, it's it, it is what it is now. It's a it's money talk, and uh, it's money talk before the the the. The performance of the athlete inside the, the octagon, I think so. 
Absolutely. Guys, if you're listening in live right now, make sure you hit us up on the live chat on the top right of your screen. Uh, Carlos Toro, a member of Fightful MMA, uh, says, woke up this morning, didn't expect Patrick Cote to be on this podcast. Welcome to the team, Patrick. Much respect to you and your career. Uh, guys, Thanks, ladies, gen- yeah, of course, Carlos is a good guy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, you have anything to say, questions, comments, concerns, Put it up there right now. Patrick and I will continue to talk about what went down, uh, what's going on with the sport, what happened with his career. He'll be joining us every Monday here, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, and as Patrick knows, uh, hey, Patrick, don't get fat on me. About this. <laughs> I know. You better keep working out. I work out every morning. I expect you to work out, no? No, you know, I'm retired, but uh, I'm still working on TV. So I don't want, I have to keep my, uh, I have to, to stay in shape. And my, one of my best friend is my nutritionist. So he's not going to let me go, you know, on, on, on the dark side. So no, for the, for the first two, three weeks, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to enjoy the good food, good wine, but uh, I'm going to get back in shape for sure for the summer. You know, I have a brand new pool. So, I have to be in shape. Nice. You know, that's the thing. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, exactly. People come over. You still got to look good. Yes. Exactly. If you're going on vacation, um, I just came back from Mexico. Um, where that's are you, where where I'm you going. going? Exactly. I'm going to Cancun, yeah. Going to Mexico? Oh, oh Cancun. Yeah. Be careful. Why? Cancun's awesome. Oh, yeah. Just I know. It's awesome. For sure. Just saying. Um, I noticed one thing on your, uh, I don't know if it was your Instagram or your, your Twitter. It mentioned that you're a surfer. Yes. I didn't know you surfed. I surf. Uh, I'm more a wakeboard surfer than a surfer in the like, okay. clear water. I have a wakeboard board, uh, boat. Uh, I have uh, an Axis, you know, Rickon Edition. You know, I, I did some business with them a couple of years ago, and I'm still close to them. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing a lot of, uh, you know, if I don't play golf in the summer, I'm on the water on my, on my boat. You know, this is – I can live 24 hours on, on water. This is, this is my thing. I always had boat. In my life, I'm not a, I'm not a car guy. I don't like motorcycle. Uh, I don't like plane. But you know what I mean. It's you know my toy. My toy is boat since forever. And uh, you know I think this is uh, the best place to be to be on the water and just chill out, doing some some wake surf, chill out with friends. That's for me. It's 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 even. I got you. That, that was the same thing for me. I sold. I talked about it earlier in the show, how it's a game changer when you have a child. The, the minute my son was born, I started thinking about, you know what? Got to sell this motorcycle. Got to sell this motorcycle. I loved I loved being a motorcycle owner. I loved riding. I loved the peace because uh, there was no phone. There was no one to talk to me. There was no one to disturb me. I could clear my mind. But then I realized that there are drivers out there that don't seem to understand the concept that I'm riding a motorcycle and there's nothing around me to save me if you hit me. So I decided I'm selling the motorcycle <laughs> and I got myself a jet. I got myself a jet ski, uh, and I'm out there. It's a Yamaha Wave Runner. I try and get out as much as I can over the summer. Unfortunately, I've never wakeboarded. Uh, I'm too scared to do that. But I did surf when I was in Mexico. I'm, I keep pointing to my left, ladies and gentlemen. I have a vision board there, and, and I, I really believe in vision boards. Um, there's a picture of the actuals. I don't know what they're called. There's the, the machines that you could surf on. The water comes yeah, up, yeah. right? And you. Yeah, so I did that. Unfortunately, people that follow me on Instagram realized uh, not only did I get whiplash on my third fall, I then got a concussion on my seventh fall. Uh, <laughs> but I stayed there the whole time to the point, Patrick, where the um, the Latino instructors are like, who are you? Like most people fall once hard and they're gone. You're still here. Yeah, and by I said, you don't know who I am. Trust me, I, I can take a lot of pain. I'm good. And by the end of it, I was surfing. I was doing really good. They're like, you need to go on that side because this is for the beginners. I am a been a beginner for half an hour they're like no you can go over there and they taught me how to do it myself but i absolutely like you said 
love being on the water. Again, it's one of those things where it's just you're with nature, man. It's so oh, important. It's... People don't realize the importance of nature. Exactly. It's so it's so in peace when you're there, and uh, so I, I like to go, you know, late at night or very more early in the morning. There's nobody on the water. It's just it's it's just you know a, a peace place for me, and uh, you know during the day we just you know uh, a lot of friends coming with me, and uh, we just chill out. We I have a little barbecue, you know, too. So we eat on that. It's it's for me. It's 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 the happy place for me. It's the top of the happy place to be on my boat. My worst thing is backing up the trailer into the water. I'm the king. <laughs> I'm the worst at hitting something. Heck, when I when I back up my jet ski into my driveway into the garage, I hit my house a few times. Okay, I'm an idiot. No, I'm pretty good on that. So if you, if you need some some tricks, then we're gonna we're gonna chat about it. <laughs> Well, speaking of tricks, uh, you're also a pretty damn good poker player. Uh, and you were giving me tips one time, uh, you know, whether depending on where you're sitting, if you're small blind, big blind, yeah. uh, you know, what happens with the river and stuff like that. You're still playing uh, poker? Is that something you'd, you'd probably want to do a bit more? Yeah, for sure. Not a little bit more, for sure. Uh, I like to have uh, friends at home and we'll play some, some pokers. Uh, but uh, I'm playing at the Playground Poker here in Montreal. Uh, actually, it's not really on Montreal. It's on the Indian Reserve close, close to Montreal. But uh, they have been one of my sponsors since a long time. And uh, it's a little bit far now from my new home. But uh, when I go there, I really enjoy it. I love poker a lot. I love just sitting there talking to people and just trying to read, you know, the mind of people, what they have uh, in uh, in their play. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like to play on, 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 on the internet too. But it's – I, I – I like more, you know, sitting on table and, you know, with real people. You can really feel, you know, the tension or you can really feel if they bluff or something like that. So it's more, it's more real. Oh, I got to hang out with you one day and do that. Because I, the one thing I can't do is I get to, I used to deal. I used to deal poker. Uh, we'll just simply say that it was for, um, I got to be careful how I word this. For a bunch of, can I just say Italians? Oh, you can is say that, fair? that for sure. Yeah. Okay. Just for some Italians, and you know, I I I would get paid every hand. You know, big hand comes in, they throw me a chip, throw me a chip, throw me a chip. By the end of the day, uh, you know, there's 500 bucks in my pocket. The problem is, is they would smoke so much, I would just reek. I mean, I'd have to shower before taking a shower. So, uh, anyways, yeah, we did we did some. Um, I, I used to enjoy dealing. It was fun because I could sit there, but I'm not reading people. I could see what was happening. But I wasn't playing, and there's a big difference by playing online, playing on your phone, oh, yeah. to when you're doing it in person. It's it's night and day. Uh, you did mention golf. Uh, oh, Vinny Fernando, you come on the live chat and you drop that question, you're gonna get me and Patrick to get into a fight right now. You know what? <laughs> Screw it. Uh, wait a second, Royce. Uh, uh, Royce Sorio, what did you ride? Showdown. I drive. I rode a. Uh, uh, Suzuki Marauder, a Suzuki Marauder, uh, 750 or 850, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you own a Harley. Well, yeah, low riders are awesome. But Vinny Fernando on the live chat, I think he's only got one option or one idea with this question. He's probably going to get you and I to fight. Okay. Is Patrick a hockey fan? Can Montreal Canadiens? Question mark. <laughs> Oh, that's my team for sure. Uh, you know, I love uh, uh, this conversation is over. over. This podcast is <laughs> over. We're done. You know what? That's that's a funny thing. I went to the first game of the playoff here against the Rangers, and uh, no, Rick Nash is one of my friends, so he gave me tickets. And uh, and a lot of people was asking me, you know, so you're gonna root for you know the Rangers for sure? That was like you know the perfect scenario. 
the, the, the Montreal Canadiens win 4-3, and that's a hat-trick for, for Rick Nash. That's a perfect scenario for me. But uh, no, this is my team since I was a Nordic fan, you know, for a long time. I used to yes, live in Yes, that's Quebec what I City. remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, now, uh, yeah, I have a couple of friends in the Montreal Canadiens too, and uh, no, I'm, I'm cheering for them for sure. Absolutely. For those that don't know, I mean, if you if you watch this podcast long enough, you know that I'm a diehard uh, Toronto Maple Leaf fan. Yeah. Always have been, always will be. Uh, and and but I have no expectations uh, versus the Washington Capitals. I told friends of mine that listen, if they get knocked out four straight, I do not care. It's a young team; they need the experience. And then on Saturday, as we're watching the UFC hey, they event, there. they're finally on yeah, So <laughs> exactly. So this is a completely different. Uh, I'm literally in arguments with very, very close friends of mine right now who are, who, who are, who are surface hockey fans who don't understand what a rebuild actually is. Yeah. And the Leafs are, are officially doing a real rebuild, not a bullshit rebuild that they've done for yeah, the past exactly. 40 years. This is legit. They bottomed out. They did what they did. They got Austin Matthews and blah, blah. Anyways, you can't explain that to people. Too. Oh, man, that guy there is just an absolute legend. Yep. And the F-bombs that he drops <laughs> piss him off. Yeah. Um, so, I, so we're watching the UFC on Saturday, and my phone's blowing up with so many friends letting me know what's happening every single play. And I'm like, guys, I, my priority would be to watch the Maple Leafs. My job is to watch the UFC. So I'm watching the UFC. I'll deal with it afterwards. So the UFC goes on, Patrick, uh, and then we do the podcast right after. After every big UFC event or major UFC event, Sean Ross Sapp and I do the podcast. And as we start the podcast, I'm getting messages first over time. Second yeah. overtime has started, and now I'm doing the podcast. I'm literally, uh, ladies and gentlemen, they're only watching or listening to the audio. I'm basically pacing it, or I'm going back and forth in my chair because I was so nervous. So I missed the whole game, Patrick. We come to an end with the podcast. We say goodbye to the fans. I shut everything off. I send off a tweet to inform everyone, hey, in case you missed it, uh, here's a fantastic podcast. I go downstairs. I turn the TV on. Two and a half minutes later, the Leafs score in <laughs> overtime. All right, that was a second overtime, yeah. <laughs> right so yeah uh and you mentioned golf by the way you mentioned golf um i i love golf golf is my other pa- fishing being on the jet ski uh and golf my son is number one but golf i absolutely love golf as this pearson who by the way uh is an absolute mess when it comes to <laughs> golf he doesn't care i mean when, when you do your golf stuff i mean because you could take golf and apply it to mma because you've got to be mentally strong to play golf little ball yeah 400 and yards. That's the hardest sport in the world. The that's flag. the hardest sport in the in the world. You know, that's a little ball, and uh, you you hit that ball with a with a stick that it's not it's not straight. It's it's very very hard. And I wanted to be a professional golfer when I was young, and uh, I was playing at a very high level. And when I was in, in junior rank, and uh, I, I don't know when or where you know I took the other road to go <laughs> to become a, a MMA fighter, but uh, I was still I still play a lot of golf. You know, I was. I was the only UFC fighter who got sponsored by the golf company. You know, I was I, I was sponsored by Callaway for a couple of years. That's right, I yeah. remember that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. And uh, yeah, and I still playing golf. That's I think that's the best. The, another happy place for me. You know, the, the best day for me. I'm going early bird. I hit the 18 holes. You know, I finish around 11, 11:30. And I'm I'm go I'm going on my ball for the rest of the afternoon. That's the perfect day for me. And I did that a couple of times, you know, uh, last year. And uh, for sure now, I'm gonna have time to do it now. Hey, 
Jimmy Van, the owner of this uh, site or all these sites, Pearson Golfs, iGolf, Cote Golfs. If you it. golf, there's four of us. Uh, and if, if it does happen, you are sitting with Pearson. Me and Patrick are sitting together because we're the responsible ones. Uh, <laughs> we'll, Pearson, we'll see. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Pearson thinks uh, Sean Pearson thinks he's Tiger Woods. I go up when I tee up, Patrick. I go through the motions. I put the the the, the golf across my waist or the club across my waist. I make sure I line it up. I do my practice swings. Blah blah. blah. Or you know, if we have to put something, you know, we've got to curve it around a bunch of trees and blah blah. I'm, I'm thinking of how I'm going to swing the club. Pearson okay, so literally so walks up. A slow and player. Go- you are a slow player. What's that? I'm just. I want to make sure I don't embarrass myself. Okay? I embarrass myself, anyways. <laughs> Pearson walks up. He's like, no, nah, Tiger Woods wouldn't do that. Just walks up and just, boom, nails the ball. This thing just flies, <laughs> flies. And I'm like, all right, whenever we play uh, Scramble with Pearson, uh, for those who don't know what Scramble is, it's best ball. Uh, wherever the best ball lands, that's where you all take your next shot. Uh, Pearson, we just tell him, just put it out there, Pearson. Just get it out there. But he's a damn good golfer. He's just a mess. So, um, yeah, anyways, before we wrap up this podcast, because we, I'm sure you're a busy guy. Uh, we got some other stuff to talk about. The fans are talking about the ratings were a little bit low for the Fox broadcast. That's understandable, and they've made some really good comments because, obviously, they're up against the NHL playoffs. Major League Baseball started. NBA playoffs, so we can't blame Demetrius Johnson and or the UFC. It is the timing of the year. I completely get that. Am I correct? Oh, you're totally right. And that's why, you know, in in October and uh, September and September, there's not a lot of UFC because uh, there's a baseball playoff. And now there's a hockey playoff, and that's it's for sure it's it's hard. But you'll see during summers they throw a shitload of UFC. That's just insane because they know they don't have any competition. You know, during summer, yeah, baseball is gonna start, but it's not like it's not like playoffs. But uh, you know, during summer there's a lot of almost a UFC every weekend, and uh, it's gonna have a lot of an action. All right, before we let you go, I need your thoughts. Uh, um, thoughts. We'll start off with Rose Namajunas uh, taking out the Karate Hottie. I wasn't surprised because I picked Rose Namajunas to win this fight because if you look at the caliber of opponents she's faced off against versus who the Karate yeah. Hottie's faced off against, I saw it. What I was surprised about with Rose, Patrick, was, oh, my God, she's merciless. She did not give a shit no. about, about Karate Hottie. She's mer- no. She went in there to destroy her. Exactly, and she she knew her pretty well. You know, they have been training together uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, you know they know each other pretty well. And like you said, man, she went there just in destroying mode, and uh, she's that, that was awesome. And you know what the thing is when when uh, Watterson did uh, the takedown at the, in the first round, you know she liked that takedown, you know the hip throw, but she, they they have to fix something that she always hold the head. And that's that's a very big mistake because that that what happened that's exactly what happened. It's if you stay on that position, you know that the your opponent is gonna take your back. You know, it's just gonna have to to slip his head out, and uh, it's already on, on your back. So when you do that position, you have to come back on the 100 kilos that they call it, and just going back on your belly and taking a position on the side control, and you know, taking position, and after that, you know, improving your position or or doing some uh, some ground and pound. But holding head like that. It's kind of rookie move, you know. At that level, you're supposed to know that it's a very bad position after a nice, a nice throw like that. And uh, you know, she lost the position. After that, she she tried a couple. Uh, she she tried a couple armbar, 
but uh, not very, not nothing very, very serious. And uh, you know, it was a very, very big elbow from Namayunas in the first round that very changed, you know, the pace of of Watterson. And the second round, the kick, you know, was that was an amazing timing about the kick when they just disengage, kick to the head, and after that, that was just a question of time. But yeah, you're right, man. She went there very, very. You know, in mindset that you're gonna destroy Watterson, even there if they're like kind of friends. So she's she's good. I like Manam Yunus a lot. Yeah, I like Pat Berry better because he's crazy. Yes, he's that, exa- that was my my second point. You know, this is uh, that's crazy. This uh, you know, it was a rumor that uh, they weren't together anymore, but uh, I think it's uh, the rumor is false. Now we saw we saw him in the in the corner. I'll never forget an interview I did with with Pat Cote and and Rose. Uh, it's supposed to be for Sportsnet, three minute interview, Winnipeg. It was a seventeen minute interview, and and on a bunch <laughs> of occasions, Rose just kept telling him, "You're a fool. Just shut up. You're a fool." The guy is yeah, a mess. Pat Barry, so yeah. funny. Pat <laughs> Barry is so funny, and they were back and forth. Literally, it, it would be interview. She would leave. He would come in and would just like I'm like this is supposed to be a three minute interview, but if you want to keep talking, right. I'm going to keep going. So he's on real. Oh, he's awesome. He's fantastic. Yeah. He gets very emotional, and I love it. Uh, before we let you go, um, Robert Whitaker. Now, I'm not saying I didn't okay, – I'll say this. I didn't fully believe he was that good because I've been watching Robert since the Ultimate Fighter days when he, when he won the Ultimate Fighter, and I always said this guy is going to be a force to be reckoned yeah. with. What I didn't realize is that as he moved up in his middleweight career and I looked at the top of the division, I said eventually he's going to meet his match, he's going to get hurt, and it's not going to be you know someone in the top five. It'll be a little bit lower, and he just kept going and going, and then he fought Jacare, yeah. and before the fight, Patrick, I said, look, man, Jacare is just – listen, we got to be honest here. Jacare is going to take him down, and he's going to submit him. Well, Jacare did take him down, and Whitaker got up, and then Whitaker made him pay. Yep. And I said to Sean Ross Sapp, I said, you know what? I clap my hands. I bow down to your knowledge. Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor of Fightful, you were absolutely correct. You've been a be- uh, correct. You've been a believer of Robert Whitaker for a long time, despite me being just sort of hesitant. I now – believe in Robert Whitaker. This guy's fantastic. The only thing Robert Whitaker had to do is that was putting doubt in the mind of Jacare. That's that's the only thing that he had to do. And he did that in the first round. He got taken down, but uh, he, he he stand up right away. And Jacare tried to take the back and he did a very nice defense about it. And from that point, there was a doubt in the mind of, uh, of Jacare. And you know what? Stylistically, he you know, for the takedown defense, Robert Whitaker was over 90% of the takedown defense too. So there's not a lot of people who, who did realize that, that he's really good to stay on his feet. And uh, even if he got t- t- taken down by Jacare, it was like, you know, half second, he was back on his feet and defending himself. So as soon that he get out of the, the back control, the half back control of Jacare, that was that was a doubt in the mind of Jacare, and now you saw that Whitaker was able to pick him apart with the, with the stand up uh, because he was he was so not not scared, but he had a doubt about the takedown, and he tried to box with uh, with Whitaker, and Whitaker was too fast for Jacare. Jacare is better with his boxing, but not at that level. You know, he's very flat foot; he's not moving a lot. But you know what? It's underground. He's one of the best pound pound, you know, in, in the world. That's for sure. Uh, and you know, a lot of people say that maybe it's too fast for Whitaker, you know, to fight, to fight Jacare. This is maybe a, ma- a mismatch. Listen, 
he was ranked number six before that that fight. That was the time for him to fight, you know, a top five guys. And uh, you know, it's just because now with with George coming back in the middle with division, it's kind of fucked up a little bit with the the, the the top five because Romero was supposed to fight and now the, for the title, and now we don't know what's going to happen. Jack Aaron wanted to stay active because. He's not the next in line. That was Romero. We still don't know when George is going to fight Bisbing. So if he decides to stay uh, at home, he could stay at home for a year and a half, maybe two years, because we don't know when the, the title fight was going to happen with George. So he decided to stay active, and you know I respect that. And uh, people was not laughing about Jack after that fight, but there was like, oh, we knew it. So, Uh, you don't know shit. Seriously, you know, you, nobody knew. Everybody thought that it will be exactly like you said. You know, it's going to take him down. It's going to just, a, you know, a question of time that he's going to find the, the right timing to take him down and he's going to submit him. But, man, my hat's off to, to Whitaker. He was on six wins in a row, now seven. I think he's undefeated at the middleweight or, so, or since he moved, moved back to, to middleweight. He's just like six wins in a row. He's at seven wins in a row now. He's... He's, he's awesome, and, uh, you know, we'll see what's going to happen. Now, look, look, Rockhold called him out, and uh, we'll see. I don't know, but, yes, he's kind of uh, – now he's not anymore, but before it was kind of the sleeper of that division. You know, nobody was like, oh, Whitaker is, is a force. Whitaker is going to be my next challenger. But he was six wins in a row, and he, was, he had some great wins, and now he's just – man, he just – did a fantastic performance against one of the best in the, in the business. So it's, that was, that was a really, really nice performance by Whitaker. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we say goodbye, don't forget tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern, it is Elias Theodoro uh, and yours truly on the Fightful MMA podcast. Patrick, give an experience with that guy. With Elias? Yeah, for sure. I know Elias very well. You know, we've been uh, we've been <laughs> together and tough. But before that, we met each other in Toronto and we had like a dance off on the pizza place. And, uh, you know, we're not, not drunk, but, you know, we had some feelings uh, about about some booze. And uh, we start to uh, to dance in the middle of the of people in in a pizza place and uh we started doing a dance off and that was uh that was pretty pretty crazy that was, that was fun and after that when i saw him at tough that was that was great we went in thailand together to train over there uh he came to montreal to train with btt with us too so yeah it's uh he's awesome he's doing pretty well too uh you know i hope he's gonna he's gonna still um still doing pretty well in his career he's a really nice guy he's doing like he's kind of like me, he's doing a shitload of things outside the octagon. You know, he's, he's building his brand. And I think that's a really smart thing. All right, guys. And don't forget, for those of you that have been regular listeners or watchers or viewers of this podcast, we know that tomorrow, Patch, or uh, Elias, uh, pants are optional, as are the shirts. We don't know if he's going to be wearing a red robe that either looks like something the octagon girls would wear or <laughs> Hugh Hefner would wear. We don't know if he's going to be in a hot tub. We don't know what city he's going to be in. So uh, all I can do is tell you that tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern, ladies and gentlemen, it is Elias, Theodoro, and I. Uh, it is often a surprise. I literally find out the moment I, 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 we connect and before we go live. So, uh, But I the hair, the hair will be there. The hair is always the hair, there. Hashtag the main ah, event. Exactly. Yes. 
He's the man. Uh, so, Patrick, listen, we want to thank you very much. Uh, for those guys, don't forget, Patrick can be found uh, on Twitter, Patrick underscore Cote, uh, Instagram, Pat Cote MMA, uh, and on Facebook, Patrick Cote. Make sure you look for that blue uh, or white check mark. Uh, Patrick, we thank you very much. We look forward to having you on in two weeks because next yes. week you are going away with the family. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Joe. And uh, looking forward to, to doing that uh, in two weeks again. Beautiful. All right, guys, make sure you follow us at FightfulMMA.com uh, for all, or sorry, FightfulMMA.com for your mixed martial arts news at FightfulMMA uh, on social media. Yours truly at Showdown Joe. Until tomorrow at 3 p.m. with Elias Theodoro. We have no idea where he's going to be or what he'll be wearing. Uh, I do always say, ciao for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.